0: like to introduce our next speaker for this afternoon. Dr. David Swanson is an assistant professor of dermatology and division chief of medical dermatology at Mayo Clinic, Arizona. He received his medical degree from the University of Minnesota, where he completed residencies in internal medicine and dermatology. His research interests include digital imaging of skin cancer and other skin diseases and automated diagnosis of skin cancer. He directs a two-day annual course on dermoscopy sponsored by Mayo, Arizona. Please help me in welcoming Dr. Swanson. Thank you. Thank you. How well can you hear me? Can you hear me fairly well? Scott is adjusting the volume and, does that work? Got a little bit of feedback, I think, but. So I'm, I have the pleasure of making you all dermoscopists within one hour. I hope I uh, 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 bring some enthusiasm out in you for dermoscopy. Um, so it, this is going to be a real challenge. It's going to be a lot of fun for me, because I have to point out features for you. And I'm working off two screens from a stage. And so I actually I think I'm going to end up right in the middle there and, and so that I can see what you're seeing. How many in the room do dermoscopy right now? Okay, that's great. I'm thinking about a third of you, which is pretty pretty good. The problem, can you, anyone, Scott, can you or somebody else bring the lights way down? This is gonna be, by, by the way, very visual. In fact, uh, you're probably gonna want, you're gonna be seeing a lot of images A lot of the learning that you're going to do now is sort of soaking in through osmosis all these images. I see a boatload of seats in the front of the room that are empty. I haven't heard one cough or sneeze in the last 45 minutes, so I don't think any of you are sick. You might want to bunch closer together and and get in front of the screens, and if you want to do that while I'm talking, I won't be offended. So the problem is one of these is a melanoma. Which one is it? They both are symmetric, they both are... um, uh, uh, homo, fairly homogeneous in color. The border looks fine. They're both about 6 millimeters in diameter. But one is a melanoma and the other isn't. And can you tell which one it is? Maybe you have a suspicion which one it is. But really, it's, you can't tell with any degree of certainty. You're, you'd probably be obligated to biopsy both and and look for the histopathologic findings of melanoma, which is uh, remains the uh, The the histopathology remains the defining criteria of what makes a melanoma, melanoma. But what do you do with a fellow like this, who's had multiple melanomas, and every one of the pigmented lesions that this individual has looks potentially threatening, there's no what Gene Bologna refers to as a signature nevus, a nevus that is the way this patient makes moles. This patient makes moles a whole variety of ways. So what are you going to do? As I say, you could biopsy every one of these, but uh, that almost certainly does a disservice to the patient. Well, maybe the clue to how to figure this out is to consider this NASA photograph. This is actually from Google Earth, about 50 miles above planet Earth, and you really can't tell too much from from the, these images. You see, you get the sense of some mountains here, and perhaps some civilization down in the lower right corner. But if you move in by a power of 10, all of a sudden you see structure. This is five miles above, and now all of a sudden you see a road, a highway, maybe another highway here, here's an airport, and. Uh, uh, airport here, and uh, you get a sense of some pattern in, the, in, in these images, and if you move even closer, here's the Princess Hotel, where we are right now. In fact, we're, I think, in this structure right right there, Where we're seated. Now that you know that this is the Princess Hotel, you can back off by a factor of 10. You can't see the Princess Hotel anymore, but you see this pattern. And this pattern infers that the Princess Hotel is there. And likewise, if we take this microscopic image and now we move it so that you're looking at it on face and back off by a power of 10, you see a pattern. And you're not, those of you who aren't dermoscopists aren't, whoops, those of you who aren't dermoscopists. Haven't probably figured out that this pattern is a pattern that might lead you to biopsy, but I'm hoping by the end of this hour you'll get a sense of uh, when when you would biopsy this. And this turned out to be the melanoma. And this and so how do you do how do you do uh, how do you identify that pattern? Well, with a dermoscope. This was my first dermoscope. Cost me 300 bucks from 3Gen. It's a uh, polarizing. Uh, light source and a polarizing lens with a high-powered 10-fold magnification lens. That's all it is. Who would have guessed that looking at the skin under magnification would actually help us? Now, why do we do dermoscopy? Well, we do dermoscopy to be better at what we do otherwise. This was a study that was published in the British Journal of Dermatology. It's about a five-year-old study, but it's widely quoted in, by dermoscopists. Uh, it asked the question, how many lesions do you have to biopsy that are suspicious for melanoma to make the diagnosis of melanoma? This was done in Italy, and in Italy, they call family, family practitioners uh, general practitioners, and they found that for every one melanoma that the general practitioners were biopsying 30 suspicious lesions dermatologists in Italy weren't doing much better they, uh, but but they were doing somewhat better actually they were doing twice as twice as well I guess that isn't bad uh, 14 benign lesions for every one. And they found out that if they trained the dermatologist to do dermoscopy, they had a fourfold increase in their specificity, meaning that uh, they were up to just a little over four benign lesions for every melanoma diagnosed. So a significant degree increase in in specificity. And you might say, well, you know, we're increasing specificity, but that means we must be decreasing sensitivity. And so maybe we're missing some melanomas. And I I might add, though, that these these four uh, lesions that they biopsied were not non-problematic lesions. These were generally lesions with some degree of cytological uh, disorder or, uh, or atypia or, or architectural disorder. They were not normal moles. But most, most of us who do dermoscopy think that we actually increase our sensitivity because doing dermoscopy is very intimate. You're getting very close to the patient and it forces you to really take their pigmented lesions seriously. So we I don't know that it'll ever be really proven how, how sensitive Dermoscopy is for picking up melanoma, but definitely increases the specificity. And so uh, dermoscopy is becoming part of the uh, dermatology mainstream. This is an article that appeared in Dermatology Times. I'm sorry I keep doing that. Uh, I'm used to the laser being in a different place than the advance button. Um, This is uh, Giuseppe Argenziano who developed a lot of the algorithms that are used in dermoscopy. and I'm going to teach you one shortly. Dermoscopy Aids diagnostic, diagnostic Decisions. This is uh, Robert Jor from the University of Miami. Dermoscopy integral in the diagnosis of pigmented lesions in children. And probably many of you know Ron Hansen, uh, who is the, um, uh, the editor of the pediatric dermatology textbook. It's about this thick. And Ron actually lives here in the, in the valley, and he actually wrote the uh, preface for Robert's uh, uh, dermoscopy textbook avid dermoscopist, uh, regularly uses it in his practice and, and utilizes it to make decisions on his patients. And it's even entered the, ru- the realm of medical, of, the, uh, uh, of, of medical law. This is David Goldberg, who's a dermatologist and lawyer, and does a lot of writing about malpractice issues in dermatology. And he, he wrote about epiluminescent microscopy, nevi, and a lawsuit. This was a lawsuit that was brought uh, on behalf of a woman who had metastatic melanoma and the, the theory of the lawsuit was that the patient's melanoma would have been diagnosed earlier by the dermatologist, had the dermatologist done dermoscopy. It was thrown out on a technicality, but, um, but the theory, the, the legal theory, was uh, thought by the judge to be valid. But as I say, it was for, uh, thrown out on a technicality. Now, despite that, fewer than 50% of academic derm- dermatologists use dermoscopy in the United States, and less than 25% of practicing derm- Dermatologists in the United States do dermoscopy. And I think that's because it's a relatively new technique and takes some uh, learning, some courses, reading, you know, looking at some atlases and so on. So I'm really impressed that in this room it seems like it's better than the national average. And it's being taught now to primary care physicians. It's routinely taught to primary care physicians in Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. And we have a a course that I'll I'll mention maybe a little bit later that. uh, about a third of our attendees are our primary care physicians. Uh, there are different kinds of derm- dermoscopic devices available. Uh, generally there's two categories. One is a polarizing der- dermoscope that doesn't touch the skin, then there's a contact dermoscope that touches the skin that uses an oil uh, or, or a gel interface. We use Purell gel with our contact dermoscopes. Uh, in our clinic we have two kinds. We have the three gen. Polarizing dermoscope, which is the one I showed you the picture of, and then there's one that fits on a well and handpiece, uh, kind of like an ophthalmoscope or otoscope head that w- we also use. We use both. But if you're just beginning dermoscopist, I would recommend that you get one of the polarizing, germ- um, uh, per- polarizing dermoscopes because it's a lot faster, it's a lot easier to use, and a lot more versatile. And by the way, I have no conflict of interest to disco- disclose. I don't own stock in any dermoscopy company. There are certain resources that are available to you. There are courses that the Academy gives. There are uh, courses that are given uh, across the country on dermoscopy. Uh, You can start out with a good atlas. The one I started out with when I was starting to do dermoscopy was Jor's Atlas. But there are a number of resources that are available to learn dermoscopy. Dermoscopy involves acquiring a lexicon. But fortunately, it's non-Latinized. It's real easy to learn. It's somewhat whimsical. And uh, we'll be using a lot of these terms, pigment networks, dots, Blots, blotches, streaks, smudges, blue-white veils, regression structures, abnormal vessels, granules, radial streaming, pseudopods, blue-gray, olive-white nests, you're going to be hearing all of these in the next hour, milia-like cysts, comedone-like openings, jelly sign, fingerprinting, moth-eaten borders, central white scars, spoke wheels and leaf spots are hopefully all things that I'm going to be talking about in the next hour. There's a variety of algorithms that one uses uh, that have been established to help particularly new dermoscopists, uh, and uh, they include the three-point method, seven-point method, ABCD rule, Menzies, Cash. But what everyone ultimately strives for is this pattern recognition. How many in the room have read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink? Have you read that? fascinating read. Malcolm Gladwell is uh, a popular uh, author that has written a number of books that sort of become poli- uh, uh, influence policy. A tipping Point is an, is an example of one of his books. But the, 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 um, the uh, sort of theme behind Blink is that we all make complex decisions on a daily basis that involve the integration of great amounts of data. And we do it subconsciously, and we make the decision on that data in milliseconds. And the interesting thing is we're almost always right. So in, in pattern recognition, it's, uh, uh, w- that's what everyone strives for, to be able to look at a melanocytic lesion and within milliseconds know that it's benign or malignant. But to crack an egg, you've got to get through the shell, and sometimes uh, an algorithm helps. And conversely, I often will apply an algorithm to a lesion that I, that I just, you know, I, I can't blink it. So I'll formally apply an algorithm. And I'm going to teach you one right now. So this is an algorithm that was designed by Juppie Argenziano, and it's, it, it's extremely simple, but highly reproducible among individuals, and it has a high degree of sensitivity and specificity. And it, it has three elements the a, uh, atypical pigment network. Asymmetry of structure, and what do I mean by structure? Dots or globules, network, blotches, uh, stre- or branch streets, or even structureless areas. In a sense, a blotch is a structureless area, a- and it has different sizes. And, and this all, if you aren't familiar with this already, you become familiar with you. you'll become familiar with it shortly. And lastly, anything blue or white, any blue or white structure. And if you see two of them, you biopsy. So um, actually, Is there any way to bring like the stage lights really uh, far down and uh, and the room lights uh, down further? And actually at this point I'm gonna hop down so that I can see what you're seeing. Okay so this is a benign, whoops, sorry, now you've seen, uh, you already have a sense, you've already blinked that one. Uh, This is a benign Nevis, and this is the other one, this is, I've already shown you a picture of this, this is one of the first slides I showed you. And this has a normal pigment network, it's lace-like. In fact, my residents describe this as looking, at the, looking like the end of a sponge, uh, sliced off evenly. All these little circles are about the same size, but there's a little bit of variability. And they kind of flare off at the edge. But very delicate network. These little light areas are just adnexa, So those can be ignored. And there's, you might see a little white structure here, which is just artifact. So ignore that too. But this is a typical pigment network, as opposed to this. This has a pigment network, but up here, uh, it's, it, it's fairly, it, it doesn't look as nice and gentle as that last pigment network. And the other thing about this lesion is it has symmetry of structure. And what do I mean by symmetry of structure? Well, the entire lesion is filled with network. Uh, it, um, so if we cut, no matter which, we, which way we slice it, there's only network. There's only network on this half, and there's only network on the top of the bottom. It's filled with network. so this has symmetry of structure. And aside from this artifact here, there's nothing blue or white. As I said, these are just um, uh, light areas that represent the opening of a nexa. And they aren't even white, because, because they're actually darker brown than the surrounding skin. As opposed to this lesion, I, I mentioned the atypical pigment network, but do you see anything blue or white here? You see this white veil right there. And there's also asymmetry of structure. So so this has all three of uh, our criteria, and we would biopsy this lesion. This lesion has asymmetry of shape, doesn't it? But we we don't care about asymmetry of shape in this algorithm. We care about asymmetry of structure. So the top half here does not look like the bottom half, except that structurally it's filled with network. So network fills this entire thing. And cutting nature a little bit of slack, this is actually a very nice pigment network, very delicate. Little darker in some areas than others, that is okay. So, we have in this uh, a, a, uh, a reasonable pigment network, symmetry of structure, nothing blue or white. Now, you could say to me, I don't like this network, I think it is atypical. That is okay, I will accept that. With dermoscopy, uh, you have every, every, every person who looks at an image is going to see something different. But with this algorithm, you, you would, might look at that, and if, there's, if you said that, if you felt the network was atypical, it really doesn't have the other two uh, uh, portions of the algorithm, the other two elements of the algorithm. So you still probably leave it behind. But let me stress that when in doubt, you cut it out. And so if you are looking at something and you're, and, and you're spending a lot of time thinking about it, maybe it ought to be in a jar. Maybe dermoscopy is going to fail you on that particular lesion. And that's okay. The best in, re, in the literature that's been reported in terms of benign to malignant ratio is actually that Carly article, of 4 to 1. At male, we're uh, in the range of 8 to 9 to 1. We take a lot of things off also because patients uh, have, co- have concerns about them. And, and we're all big believers in intuition. Now this lesion, let's look at it for a little bit. This is a lesion that has a slightly atypical pigment network. See how it's thickened up here, right there? This has an atypical pigment network. It's not very atypical, but look what else it has. It has a bluish white structure right here on the side. And it has these kind of globules that you can see through the veil that we don't see up here. So it has asymmetry of structure. It has blue and white structure. And it may or may not have an atypical pigment network, depending on what side of the bed you got up uh, that morning. But the point being that you got at least two, two out of three with this lesion, and you'd probably biopsy it. How about this one? By the way, if you see anything that has a little square that, uh, on it, th- this is from Robert George's textbook on, on loan with permission. So this lesion, I don't really see a pigment network on this. So, I can't, if you don't see a pigment network, you can't call it. This little white lace like thing down in the lower portion here is actually a, an inverse pigment network. Uh, pigment networks are darker than, um, than the thing between the network, the little holes in the network, whereas these are darker in the little holes if you're going to call that a network at all. What this is is actually a cluster of globules right here that we don't see up here. So, it has asymmetry of structure. Everybody sees something blue or white in it. So we've got two, two out of three we'd biopsy that this was a malignant melanoma. Now there are exceptions. And in dermoscopy, you have to learn the exceptions. And this is one of them. If you came over to my house and, and were looking through my telescope and saw this thing up in the sky, you'd say, and I said, what is that? You'd say, that is an exploding star. That's a starburst. And, uh, and this is the ejecta of the star that's spinning out from the center of the star. This is a nebula. And a star exploded there maybe a 1,000 years ago. This starburst pattern is typical for spitz nevus, so this is a spitz nevus. And if you saw this in a child who about uh, you know eight years of age or seven years of age, you very commonly see these things, and you'd probably leave it unless there was something unusual about it. Like let's say it was half starburst, so it was asymmetric. Then you might take it off. In an adult, spitz nevi are very unusual. We generally take off spitz nevi. Although there's a school of thought that thinks that says that if it's perfectly symmetric, even in an, an older individual, it's been it's going to be benign. Uh, the the Europeans. J- typically leave these behind in adults if they're perfectly shaped like this. In the United States, they take them off, and I would take this off at a, if I saw it in a, six, in a 60-year-old. Another example of the starburst pattern. You can see you get the sense of motion here this radiating out. A little bit more asymmetric though. Another spitz nevus. Now we don't just use dermoscopy for, um, for melanocytic neoplasms. Um, I, um, for me, my dermoscope has become like a stethoscope to uh, to a uh, internist, and I, I actually practiced internal medicine for a few years, and at least carry my stethoscope around my neck, real cool, when I'd uh, walk around and, uh, you know in rounds. Now, if I could, I would somehow wear my dermoscope, you know, maybe Velcroed to my neck, uh, to, to accomplish the same thing. But I can tell you, when I don't have that thing, I'm as uh, helpless as an as a, as a um, uh, internist without the stethoscope now, because. We don't just use it. You don't just use it for melanocytic neoplasms. You can use it for inflammatory disorders as well, and I'll show you an example of that a little bit. And by the way, I sometimes get carried away. I think I have till 4:45. At 4:30, if I don't stop, somebody better grab me because I've got a 25-point exam for you at the very end. It's going to take about 15 minutes, and I definitely want to do that. Um, And I and I never know how many of these images I'm going to get through. Okay, so anyway, going back to this. So actually, when you're looking at things through a dermatoscope, really, the first step is to find out if it's a melanocytic lesion or not. Uh, By that, I mean a melanocytic neoplasm. And then, once you've made that decision, then you uh, maybe apply an algorithm, or maybe you've got enough experience so you can do pattern recognition, and you decide whether it needs to be biopsied or not. And our goal, remember, very important, Our goal is not to diagnose things necessarily with a dermatoscope, although I think you'll find you're doing a lot of diagnosis. Our goal is really to um, determine what we can safely leave behind on the patient at the end of the visit, or what needs to be biopsied. So what determines whether a lesion is melanocytic? Well, the things we talked about, uh, brown or black network dots, globules, branch streaks, or blotches. Uh, as we see in this one. So if I looked at this and I was going to analyze it, I'd say, well, I think this is a melanocytic neoplasm because I see network. It's an atypical network, but it's network. So I could stop right there. But there are also dots and globules down here. There's brown blotches. Uh, but uh, I, So I think this is a melanocytic neoplasm. Now I'm going to apply an algorithm. Is that network normal or abnormal? I believe Abnormal, very good. Do you see anything blue or white? Absolutely, you could stop there, but there's also asymmetry of structure. Now before I leave this lesion though, this is a nice little teaching case because it shows a feature that is very important in dermoscopy, and it's actually a part of some of the other algorithms, but for simplicity's sake, it's not part of the three-point, although really it is. It's part of the blue-white structure, and that is regression. So do you all know what regression is in in a melanocytic neoplasm? Uh, What that is is, uh, for reasons that, that, um, for, for many reasons, Melanoma cells may undergo apoptosis. And they may do it because they're just noble and want to fall on the sword to save the the host. Uh, Or they may be induced to do it by fast, fast ligand interaction from lymphocytes. But at any rate, they undergo apoptosis and disassemble. And melanin doesn't disassemble very well. So the melanin ends up in the dermis. And it's scavenged by histiocytes. And when that happens, it looks like this. See this kind of ashy pigmentation down here? And actually, if you look carefully, there's kind of an ashy pigmentation all around here. It's kind of a steel gray, or steel bluish gray. Kind of looks to me, to my eye, like what's on my fireplace when the the embers have all died out. It's kind of a grayish uh, pigmentation. That's pigment in melanophages. And you not only see that in melanocytic neoplasms where there, are, where there has been apoptosis, but you can also see it in lichenoid disorders, such as erythema dyschromic perstans or lichen planus, uh, or in lichenoid keratosis for that matter. You can see this kind of pigmentation. But if you see it in a, in a, neo, in a melanocytic neoplasm, you have to say, OK, well, why is it doing that? It may just be uh, the host reaction to a benign mole, but it, it really raises a little bit of a red flag. Now. On the other hand, you might say, well, I don't think it's a melanocytic neoplasm. Then you have to say, well, could it be a seborrheic keratosis, an angioma, basal cell carcinoma, dermatophibroma, sebaceous hyperplasia? You might get to the run through your little list of things that you know by dermoscopy and not figure it out. Well, then you're stuck. You're going to have to biopsy it. It could be a Merkel cell tumor, it could be anything, it could be a MET. So you, uh, if you don't know what it is and, and dermoscopy isn't helping you, you've got to biopsy it. This is the uh, dermoscopic features of a seborrheic keratosis. And um, what, what one typically sees are these comedone-like openings and milia-like cysts. And this is one situation where a contact dermoscope is a little bit better, but not much, but a little bit better than the polarizing dermoscope because these milia-like cysts under a, polar, under a contact dermoscope light up like stars in the night. And then this also displays the jelly sign. Whoops. Uh, you see this really sharp border here? It almost looks like somebody took some seborrheic keratosis jelly with a butter knife and smeared it on the skin, and this is the equivalent, uh, dermoscopic equivalent of the stuck-on appearance of seborrheic keratosis, nearly like this, jelly sign and um, uh, uh, comedo-like openings. Also, sometimes you see this under dermoscopy, a cerebriform surface, and I don't know if any of you, I'm sure. Most of you probably have scuba dived and seen brain coral. Well, it looks more like brain coral to me than brain, but that's also a typical finding on dermoscopy. This is an angioma, and what we, one sees is a vascular lacuna. And Libby mentioned angiokeratomas. This is an angiokeratoma, and I agree with her that these sometimes are jet black. And sometimes my poor man's diascopy, you know what diascopy is? You take a microscope slide and you push on it, see if you can get some of the blood out of it, and sometimes you can see it better. Well, I just push my thumb on it, and then I let go real fast and take a peek and see if it's uh, uh, gone from black to purple or red. But with a dermoscope, these are no problem, because they always look like this. They're always red. So dermoscopy is really good for both angiokeratomas and and, uh, angiomas. Now, basal cell carcinoma is where I really think dermoscopy pays off, and I use it for basal cell carcinomas much more than I do for melanocytic neoplasms. This is the typical feature of a basal cell carcinoma. Look at that blood vessel right there. There is nothing else really that gives you that uh, sharply, in your face, in focus, blood vessel. If you look at the other blood vessels that are in the background here, they don't look like that. Now, sebaceous hyperplasia can sometimes do that too, but it has a distinct yellow color to it. Also, this uh, is displaying what my residents call the Sharpie pen sign. It looks like uh, you know, I was pointing out something with a Sharpie pen I accidentally got it on the screen here, this kind of black pigmentation. Uh, and um, that represents some ulceration. Here's another basal cell carcinoma. Look at those blood vessels. Sharp, in your focus, blood vessels. Blue-gray ovoid nests. That's what the, these are. Also very typical basal cell carcinoma. And this kind of brownish pigmentation is also really typical. But what you want to look for for the defining criteria are these vessels blue-gray ovoid nests. You don't see them with the naked eye. Leaf-like structures. Um, my, my residents who haven't ventured from the state, and occasionally I have one, have trouble with leaves, you know, because, because you know, everything's spiny here. There's not a lot with leaves. But can, with a little imagination, can you make those out as leaves? Leaf like structures. Again, very typical basal cell carcinomas. In fact, if you see a leaf leaf like structures that go around 360 degrees like this with a dark center, that's called a spoke wheel. And that is pathognomonic for basal cell carcinoma. And when you get, uh, you know, do a little bit of dermoscopy, you've been doing this for a while, you will diagnose basal cell carcinomas one half millimeter in diameter uh, based on spoke wheels. And other features too. This is a dermatofibroma. What defines a dermatofibroma? Central stellate scar. Now, let's face it. You don't need to, to really—you uh, uh, don't need dermoscopy for most dermatofibromas. But sometimes you look at it and you think, "Gee, I think that's a dermatofibroma," but I'm a little bit on the fence with this one. Whip out the dermatoscope, and you have it nailed because they will typically have the central stellate scar and a little bit of a pigment, uh, normal-appearing pigment network surrounding it, which points out the fact that not everything that has a pigment network is necessarily a melanocytic neoplasm. So when you're approaching something and you say, okay, step one, i got to figure out if it's melanocytic neoplasm or not, uh, something like this might trump, uh, you know, these features would uh, uh, trump it being the uh, you know, network defining it as a melanocytic neoplasm. But again, when in doubt, cut it out, right? Here's another one, St- central stellate scar network around the perimeter. Now, th- these, take a look at the, these blood vessels. If I showed you this and uh, I was in an operating room and I ha- was working on somebody's back and I whipped out this you know, kind of brown, well, reddish-brown organ and then I dermoscoped the surface of it and I said, okay, uh, this is a kidney and these are on the surface of the kidney. What are these? You'd say, what? They're what? Glomeruli, right? So these are glomerular-like blood vessels and these are pathognomonic for squamous cell carcinoma in situ. And you will see these, um, uh, particularly on the lower extremities of uh, older men and women. Uh, but elsewhere as well, you uh, just, you know, there's squamous cell say to curetum, But send in the path, of course. But, uh, but that's, that's what they are. If you see dots, could be something else. But, but these glomerular-like blood vessels, path OK, so let's do a few lesions. This is actually the cover girl from you know, Bob George's textbook. First of all, is it? a melanocytic um, neoplasm? Well, I'm looking at this, and what do I want to look for? OK, I'm going to look for brown blotches and other things. But this color, I already told you, we can sometimes see a basal cell carcinoma. What do we see here? Network. Right there. Is it typical or atypical? Atypical. atypical. Do we see anything blue or white? Yeah. OK, asymmetry of structure. Definitely. There's network over here that we don't see over there. Take it off. It's a, it's a melanoma. How about this one? First of all, uh, is it? do you think it's a melanocytic neoplasm? Well, it has lots of comedone-like openings, and it has a little positive jelly sign here, doesn't it? Seborrheic keratosis. Okay, how about this one? This is from Robert Sticks' book also, as I see if you see a little square like this. They're just such great teaching images that I stuck them in here. Okay, let's look at this. First of all, it's filled with network. Even here where it's light, uh, we see network. Maybe a little bit of light area here. Um, uh, Is the network typical or atypical? It's pretty good, isn't it? Pretty good. Now, notice that that it has really multifocal hyperpigmentation, and hyper and hypopigmentation. And you see this pattern. So we're talking about pattern analysis. You see this pattern in about 25% of, of Clark's nevi, or what we don't use the term dysplastic nevi uh, in, in, our, in our department. But what used to be called dysplastic nevi or Clark nevi, they have there's a lot of synonyms. About a quarter of them have this multifocal hypo and hyperpigmentation pattern. But it has symmetry of structure. Uh, this is—I mean—if you look at this, this is white. Okay, so we really—I'm hesitant to call this white structure. But for me, this has symmetry of structure. Doesn't have blue or white structure, as you've seen it and I've shown it to you so far. And uh, uh, and it has a typical pigment network. I'd leave this one behind, and I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. But look how nasty it is on the girl's fo- photo. Okay, how about this one? Network. There's network up here. Typical or atypical? Those of you in the front. Atypical, do we see asymmetry of structure? Absolutely, we could probably stop there. But this has another feature that I want to point out. And it's the pink panther sign. Pink lesions, you've got to beware. And especially, particularly, if you see multiple shades of pink, as uh, as we see here. And when, uh, some of the algorithms talk about atypical vascular pattern, which includes multiple shades of pink. But if you look at this, there's polymorphous blood vessels within this melanocytic lesion. But, we, but we've already point will not fail you on this one. You're already going to take it off. But this this was a malignant melanoma. How about this one? What do you think? Is it a melanocytic neoplasm? The people in the front probably have a better eye. But if you look real carefully, those of you particularly in the front, and again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but Scott, can we bring the lights way down? Because um, I'm hoping that, I mean, I see people taking notes that i have honored that you would take notes on my talk, but really. Uh, you want to suck in these images, and, 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 and it'll click. Uh, so there are little, fine, little blood vessels there. There's that Sharpie pen sign, blue, gray, ovoid nest. Now, if you said to me, um, "How do I know this isn't? How do I know this isn't like a brown blotch? I'm going to call this a melanocytic lesion, and I'm going to, uh, you know, maybe it, uh, I think it's a melanoma because it has it meets uh, uh, it has asymmetry of structure and. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, blue structure and so on, I'm going to biopsy it. Well, it could be a melanoma. In fact, I sent this lesion around my department. And half the, and I said, OK, what is it? And the, the residents all got it right, because the residents always get it right. They knew that it was a basal cell skin cancer. But about half the faculty said, no, oh, I think it's probably a melanoma. There's that Sharpie pen sign. But the point is, you'd biopsy it, wouldn't you? So the important thing is to make the diagnosis with the patient. What do we see here? Glomerular-like blood vessels, little tufts of blood vessels. That's a what? SCC in situ, right. Now this lesion kind of looks like it's painted onto the skin. And see how sharp the border is there? So this is a lentigo, typical appearance of a lentigo. Now every lesion I showed you, I have pathology on. So I'm not sure what bothered the uh, individual uh, who looked at this to buy, you know, enough to biopsy it? I would probably leave this behind, but there's nothing wrong with biopsying it if you're in doubt. I think what bothered them is they might have seen some network here and thought, you know, I'm seeing some, I'm seeing network and I'm seeing, and it looks atypical and I'm seeing, a, uh, I'm seeing a, uh, you know, some asymmetry structure here, so I'm going to take this off. But particularly if a person had lots of these, you would feel comfortable with that being a lentigo. But there's nothing wrong with biopsying it. That was a lentigo. How about this one? Network, it's got network, right? Like right here, typical or atypical? Okay, see anything blue or white? It's probably a regression structure right there. And it has asymmetry of structure and it has multiple shades of pink, so that's a melanoma. Okay, here's another one. Now, uh, if uh, this one is another one, this one actually was my case. I had a little trouble with this one. I couldn't decide if it was a melanocytic neoplasm or not, although I favored it being a basal cell carcinoma. Why? leaf-like structures right there and there's a blue-gray ovoid nest right there but i couldn't see those arborizing telangiectasias those you know really in focus uh, telangiectasias but nevertheless i biopsied that this was a basal cell carcinoma Can you the, of your... the what yes absolutely sorry I'm, I'm trying to go back and forth and please tell me to do that if, if you need be. so these are the leaf-like structures here But they aren't as wonderful as the last ones I showed you. There's a blue-gray ovoid nest there. See that? Are you saying ovoid nest? Ovoid nest. And and I'm going through a lot of images. Regretfully, um, I only have 45 minutes to present this, and I tend to blabber about the mouth anyway. And so if I'm talking too fast or you you didn't catch something, do exactly what you did and ask me to to elucidate a little bit better. OK. now here's something you haven't seen before. It looks kind of scary, but if you look at it critically, you'll say, "Well, it's got a pigment network, and I don't. The pigment network looks weird, uh, so I think this is an atypical pigment network." Um, but really, it doesn't have asymmetry structure, and it doesn't have anything blue or white, so I could probably leave it behind. But man, <laughs> does that thing look creepy! It kind of looks like I'll see. What's the name of that character in Spider-Man 3? Venom. Yeah, kind of looks like. Looks like. Whoops. Kind of looks like. Reminds me of that. This is an ink spot lentigo, and once you see one of these, this is what ink spot lentigos look like. You'll you'll you now know what all ink spot lentigos look like. And these are typically seen in type one skin. They're generally black. They're outlier lesions. Whip out your dermoscope. It's an ink spot lentigo. How would a lentigo maligna differ from that? Well, lentigo maligna. So, uh, are you speaking on the face, for example, or lentigo maligna on the shoulder? OK. I'm glad you asked that question, because the criteria that I'm giving you apply to the face. But in general, there are a whole bunch of other criteria that are for the face and palms and soles. So these are unique areas that have their own set of criteria. And, uh, and they're, um, uh, uh, if you, if it, if it the, the reason, well, I'll let you go my leg now. Oh, shoot, what did I do? There we go. Um, a lentigo maligna will look like a cancer, except for the fact that um, you'll see what's called uh, without spending too uh, You know what? Let's do is there anyone else who wants to know what lentigo maligna looks like without an illustration? Okay, so you uh, lentigo maligna at its earliest presentation is uh, gives a pattern around follicular orifices on the face that is referred to as the annular granular pattern. It looks like little dots of pepper distributed in an asymmetric fashion around follicular openings. And um, I don't have slides of that to show you, because that's a one, uh, the face is actually a one-hour lecture by itself. But, um, but that is the earliest sign. And then as it advances, it tends to form give you the optical illusion that it is forming um, uh, rhomboid structures or geometric structures, and that might be why you uh, asked me how you would differentiate that from lentigo maligna, because in a uh, in a sense you're seeing some rhomboids there, aren't you? So so, but but taking in the entire picture of this, this is a typical picture of a um, ink spot lentigo, and not and not this annular granular pattern uh, that is typically seen on facial lesions. Okay, now this lesion uh, network, typical or atypical? Atypical pigment network, uh, but it has a network, so we're going to define this as a melanocytic neoplasm. Uh, Giving you a few harder lesions now, do you see anything blue or white? Subtle blue structure here. See that? See that kind of bluish coloration? It can be subtle, but you'll see it with your handheld dermatoscope. And uh, that's regression. And also, there's asymmetry structure in this lesion, too. So this was a melanoma. How about this one? This is another one that I had uh, one in mind that I had trouble with. What's this scar in the center? I mean, it's clear that this doesn't meet the pattern that we've already discussed uh, of, uh, um, you know, of a, a nevus. I can't even tell if this is a, um, uh, you know, if it's a melanocytic neoplasm or, or not. I mean, maybe are these do, are these globules of pigment here? And somebody mentioned dermatofibroma, but it really doesn't have the stellate scar in the center, f- surrounded by a network. It has these globules of different size with asymmetry. This was a sclerosing basal cell carcinoma. Sclerosing basal cell carcinoma. Okay, here's a lesion. Uh, Melanocytic neoplasm has globules of brown pigment here. So probably. Asymmetry of structure, multiple shades of pink. You'd probably biopsy this one. This was a melanoma. Another lesion, another uh, lesion that's probably a melanocytic neoplasm. We see network here. We see asymmetry of structure. We see probably some regression right there. Another melanoma. Now, um, uh, this lesion uh, really you can blink. You know this is going to come off. It has an atypical pigment network. It has uh, asymmetry of structure. Has white structure within it. So this is a lesion that you're probably going to throw in a jar. It came back atypical melanocytic hyperplasia, which in our department uh, is sort of a cold word for, uh, I think it's melanoma, but I'm not absolutely sure, as opposed to um, nevus with severe architectural disorder and cytological atypia, which is cold for, I think it's a nevus, but I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) But we, we remove these as a melanoma. But what is this, ladies and gentlemen? What is this, oops, let me put that back. What is this thing? This is a melanoma. This is a melanoma. And there's a lot being written right now about how you can only go so far with pathology when your eyes are telling you it's a melanoma. And really, what you've got to do is clinical pathologic correlation with these things. And if you see something that looks like a melanoma, like this thing, and it comes back benign, something got screwed up. And uh, uh, the fact that maybe something got mislabeled, or something got cut wrong. You know, you really got to call up the pathologist and say, "You know, I think this is a melanoma. In fact, this is a melanoma." And, uh, and we ended up reexcising this. But atypical melanocytic hyperplasia for us is uh, 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 a melanoma anyway. So this was excised. This was th- a thin lesion. We excised it with a half, cent- um, um, half centimeter margin. Okay. Um, you're getting probably really good at pattern analysis right now. That's good because the test is going to go real fast. Uh, so we see, is this a melanocytic neoplasm? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Uh, do you see any? Uh, does it have asymmetry of structure? Yes. OK, does it have anything blue or white, which includes regression? Yes. Probably up here, huh? Probably right there. OK, so biopsy at melanoma. Got a lot more melanomas in here than I do um, uh, non-melanomas. Another lesion, melanocytic neoplasm? Uh, probably, uh, you know, it could be a lentigo, but uh, we're seeing, you know, kind of pigment, little globules and blotches here. Multiple shades of pink. Now, I've shown you something that I haven't pointed out to you, but I've shown you several images with this feature. And that is, you see these little white lines here? Can you make those up? Those are called chrysalises. See right here? And by the way, they're those little pigment, you know, kind of globule things. They aren't well, de- you know, really greatly defined. As dots and globules. But see these little lines here? Those are called chrysalises, and that represents um, scar-like bands of collagen within the upper dermis uh, that that polarizes. It polarizes. And so you only see that with a polarizing dermoscope. But if you see that, it's almost for sure going to be either melanoma or in in something that is otherwise good for basal cell carcinoma, basal cell carcinoma. In in fact, in, in other words, think malignancy when you see that. And you see that in a, lot of the, in a lot of these lesions. So that's a little dermoscopic pearl. All right, uh, how about this one? Melanocytic neoplasm, yes or no? Yeah. A- asymmetry of structure? Yeah. Anything blue or white? You only need two. I think uh, there's some regression there. Again, kind of this ashy gray pigmentation. We're, uh, it's not blue like this color right here. But we are going to uh, call that blue structure in our three point algorithm. That was a melanoma. How about this? Basal, basal cell, very good. So, typical basal cell carcinoma. It has got those uh, uh, in, uh, in focus blood vessels there. It is ulcerated. Now, melanomas can ulcerate, and as you know, that is an ominous sign with melanoma. Uh, it, it changes the staging of melanoma, but it is much more common with basal cell carcinoma. <laughs> Okay, melanocytic neoplasm. Could be a lentigo, but you know, if uh, but looking at this, you think, oh geez, you know, if it is a lentigo, maybe it's a lichenoid lentigo. But uh, uh, it's probably. I mean, we have to err on the side of it being a melanocytic neoplasm. And then uh, it has, if that's the case, net, uh, I'm not even sure I see network in this. Are you in the front? Do you see pigment network? Uh, well, there's, there's blue structure and asymmetry of structure. I, I can't. I really can't tell, frankly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very good. So you're thinking maybe that's an atypical blood. Uh, you know, uh, atypical vascular pattern. But uh, this was a this was a inside melanoma or lentigo maligna, not on the face, not on the face. How about this one? Pretty bland looking, isn't it? Network, typical or atypical? Not bad, not a bad network asymmetry of structure. Fills the whole thing. Anything blue or white. Bob, uh, this was a benign lesion. It was biopsy, and again, I'm not sure why it was biopsy because I probably would have left this behind, but it bothered somebody. Maybe yeah, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure why it was taken off. It might have been sometimes we'll just biopsy new nevi uh, in people who have uh, you know history of multiple multiple melanomas. Uh, Mainly, it's a therapeutic biopsy to alleviate anxiety. Okay, this is an easy one. Atypical pigment network, right? Asymmetry of structure, multiple shades of pink. A lot going on with this one, so take it off. You all in agreement? All right, melanoma. How about this one? Now, I haven't shown you anything like this before, uh, but what do you see uh, in the... uh, in this, you see peppering. You see this pepper-like pigmentation. And peppering is also pigment in melanophages. So this is actually a lichenoid keratosis. And it'll take some getting used to seeing a few of these and biopsying them and having them come back to lichenoid keratosis before you're comfortable leaving these on patients. But lichenoid keratosis are fairly common. They typically occur in the upper chest, uh, you know, uh, shoulders, and upper back. They're ho- homogeneous in color, but they have this even dispersed uh, black dot pepper like pigmentation throughout that is just another manifestation of pigmented melanophages. And in this case, it's probably keratinocytes that have undergone apoptosis. You know, the reason you tan is because the melanin is uh, given from the melanocytes to the keratinocytes. And so the keratinocytes kind of suckle up to the uh, melanocytes, kind of like little piglets, and, uh, and, and swallow up the uh, melanosomes. That's how it's delivered to the keratinocytes. Uh, the, there's, I think it's the ratio is 1 to 40, melanocyte to keratinocyte. But if those keratinocytes undergo apoptosis, their melanin uh, also will be taken up by melanophages. Okay, um, Melanocytic neoplasm? OK. Um, and, on, and that on the basis of, I think there's some, some network down here. Uh, there's blue and white structure up there, asymmetry of structure. Malignant melanoma. How about this one? This is a tough one. Uh, I think, well, uh, that would be one interpretation, but they aren't kind of, that, the question was, is this peppering? And I think in this case, is a little brown for peppering. You know, that, uh, it's, the, that other lesion I showed you has more black looks like pepper. But these are little brown dots. There's actually network over here. And the network is atypical. And then we have regression here. See that? It's subtle. But we have atypical pigment network asymmetry of structure, melanoma in two. And how about this one? Basal cell carcinoma. Basal cell carcinoma. And uh, so I'll tell you what. Why don't you uh, take, your, uh, p- take a piece of paper and just quick number 1 to 25. And what I'm going to do is show you 25 lesions now. And don't try and write a diagnosis. The, the question here is, um, are you going to biopsy it or not? And so our, our um, scoring will be, uh, green, orange, red. So green will be it's, a, it's benign, no problem. I'm going to tell the patient it's benign, we're just going to leave it, I'm going to walk out of the room and I'm not going to lose a bit of sleep. Red is, uh, it's a cancer and I'm going to take it off. And it can be any kind of cancer, but it's a cancer I need to take it off. And orange is going to be, um, I don't know what it is, I think it's probably benign, but I just don't feel comfortable leaving it behind. So I'm going to take it off, I think it's probably benign. And orange is always going to be the right answer because I have, because <laughs> every one of these I have path on. But, but don't try and, you know, I mean, challenge yourself a little bit. And I'll tell you, normally I do this uh, as a, uh, when I do this sort of thing, it's, I give 100 of these things. And, uh, and generally speaking, like if I do it in my clinic and I do it periodically with the, my colleagues, and and, my, and, and some, Faculty in my department who have been around for a long, long time will come up to me afterwards and say, "I feel really good because I only killed five patients today." So, you know, don't don't feel badly if uh, if you walked away, you gave a green to something that proves to be a melanoma. Okay, and I'm only going to give you about eight seconds per. So it's going to go real fast. You're going to have to do a little blinking on these. Actually, I'm going to go down so I can decide how much time to give. Okay, so that's the first lesion. And if I'm going too fast, tell me. And if you forget where you are, um, uh, you'll notice there's a little number on each one of these to help you find your way. Uh, This is an older individual. This individual is like, you know, probably I'm guessing 40 to 50. I know, is that older? It's young to me, let me tell you. I'll, I'll never see that again. Oops, sorry. Okay, so the lesion we're looking at is right here, but actually it goes all the way around here. So the question is, would you biopsy this one? <laughs> okay, good. All right. Um, okay, good. All right, well, how'd you do? You're sort of getting a familiarity with these, those of you who have done, not done derm- uh, dermoscopy. Got a sense you can get your hands around it. It's actually pretty easy. You just got to start doing it. And and let me tell you something. You start doing dermoscopy, I think the people who do it will agree with me. You never look at the skin the same way. I mean, it's a real eye-opener. And that's why I say I'm, you know, if I was on a desert island and had to practice dermatology and my battery uh, burned out on my dermoscope, I'd be toast. Because I've really become dependent on it. Okay, let's back up here. Scott, can you move me, uh, can you fast reverse me to... um, the beginning of that exam, it's 25 slides back. And we'll go through these one by one and see how everyone did. And, you know, I'll tell you how I would do it, but, but as I said, if you, uh, if you line up 20 dermoscopists, uh, you know, experienced dermoscopists, uh, they will, you know, you get different, different viewpoints from everybody. But uh, I, think, I think in general, you know, we're all trying to do a better job uh, taking care of our patients and uh, and so I, I think this helps us do it but uh, but everybody sees things a little bit differently okay, green, orange, or red green, green. Uh, any any oranges oranges, okay, yep, any reds? all right, so the network here is um, I'm, this lesion has a pigment network, the network fills the entire thing. I really you know looking from back here. Your eyes are probably better than mine, but I'm not seeing any other real structure in here. Nothing blue or white. You know, I'm wondering. I don't know. I suppose that's kind of maybe a little dark, but to me, this whole thing looks uh, you know, actually quite innocent. The network's borderline atypical, uh, but again, you have to cut nature some slack when you're, you're dealing with these with uh, uh, issues, questions of typicality and symmetry and so on. Uh, but even if you said borderline atypical pigment network, that's only one of the three criteria if we're applying three-point. And really, with any algorithm, this, is, this lesion is probably OK. But, uh, but it was biopsied by one of my colleagues. Something, something uh, bothered them. I would have left this behind, but, but it turned out to be a benign nevus. How about this one? Red, melanoma. You probably didn't even need a dermoscope to know that this thing needs to come off. But notice that it's you know this brown pigment coming off of here. So that kind of tells you it's probably going to be a molastic lesion. It's ulcerated. A uh, scary looking thing. I can't give you the clinical on this. I can give you the clinical on the, uh, the other really ugly one I showed you, but I, I don't recall the clinical on this one. OK, how about this one? Orange. bothers you a little bit because you can't see the center, can you? So let me show you, tell you about a cool tip. It's called the scotch tape trick. So what you do is you take uh, scotch tape in your office. You take out a strip about a foot long, and you just essentially strip the stratum corneum off this lesion because most of this dark pigment is in a a stratum corneum lamella that's dark. And as you do this, as you go, you know, so you go blink, I mean, I shouldn't say blink because I was talking about Melka-Gladwell, but you tap, tap, tap along the tape and it leaves a little black dot where the mole is because you've stripped off the stratum corneum that's laced with melanin. You do that about 10 times, and it kind of fades out. And, uh, uh, and then you show it to the patient, and they think you're just a genius, because you've got all these little dots of pigment there. But then you um, put, look at it with a dermatoscope, and it clarifies this. And you can see the normal, the normal pigment network underneath. A Scotch tape trick. Uh, but anyway, uh, this, uh, assuming that wasn't there, we could see this. I think we would see normal pigment networks throughout this thing. And my inclination would uh, be under those circumstances to leave it. But, I, uh, but um, orange, I think, is reasonable. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't, I don't find it too scary. I think, uh, did, uh, any, any reds here? Anyone? Uh, so if you, if you call this a red one, remember, when in doubt, cut it out. How about this? And what is it? It's a basal cell. Look how tiny it is. The dermoscopically diagnosed uh, basal cell, is a little spot there, you know, took the dermoscope, saw a little telangiectasia you know, t- t- there, and this, you know, Sharpie pen sign, which is ulceration there. Basal cell. Yep. How about this? Red. Now, what do you think it is? How many say melanoma? Raise your hand. Okay. How many say basal cell? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, um, I didn't know what this was. Uh, but I, I, like you, I would raise both hands, because it's a basal cell or melanoma, I don't know. But I knew it needed to come off. And this is another one I sh- sent around. And uh, uh, my, my, another case where the residents all got it right, and the st- faculty got it, uh, we half right and half wrong. Check out the chrysalises. OK, basal cell. Yep, it was a basal cell, but could have been a melanoma. And uh, uh, amelanotic melanomas, by the way, are, are a real problem. Uh, you, you realize it needs to come off when you look at it with a dermatoscope. But, uh, but uh, it's really hard to distinguish basal cell carcinoma from melanoma unless you see those blood vessels. Unless you see the blood vessels, those arborizing telangiectasias. How about this? Red. This was a melanoma. This is actually my case. And this woman came in uh, with this thing on her back. And she wasn't sure how long it had been there. Now I don't have a good poker face. So if any of you like to play poker and you want to win, play with me. Because uh, basically, when I see something like this, um, uh, and people look at my face, the next phone call is to the undertaker, because uh, I I really, you know, I, I, I generally show shock, and I can't hide it very well. But actually she did really well, sentinel node biopsy was negative and I followed her for about four, four years now and she's just doing you know, doing sweet. But this was a thick melanoma and what, whoops, what is this thing? Is that an intransit net or is it part of this thing and, and regressed in between? I don't know. But what's cool about this lesion from a dermoscopist's point of view is the polymorphism of these blood vessels here. And for those of you, I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't pointing here. So the question is, is, uh, is this regression like, is this regressed and this was originally part of one big lesion? Or is that like a small intransit met? I don't know the answer to that. Where would you biopsy that? Uh, you know, this, uh, so we do a lot of shave biopsies in our, our clinic uh, because we just don't have, we can't do excisional biopsies, we just see so many of these things. Uh, you know, we diagnose thousands of, uh, 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 of uh, basal cell carcinomas and about 160 um, melanomas and you can, you know, do the math, eight times that, uh, you know, we just have to do a lot of shades. This one, frankly, I would send straight to the surgeon. This is a melanoma. However, our surgeon, we do sentinel node biopsies and our surgeons won't do the sentinel node biopsy until we've proven that it's a melanoma. And we won't even set it up, so we have to biopsy it. So I'd just take a chunk right out of the center. I'd probably, I might punch it, but more likely I'd just take a razor blade. I'd put as much curvature in it as I can without breaking it, and scoop it right out of the center and send it in. Um, and what would I do if it came back benign? I'd do it again, because this is a melanoma. OK, let's see. Uh, how about this one? Red, what is it? Basal cell. Blue-gray ovoid nest. And you can make out the little teladjectages. You probably did better than I. I can barely see them, but I think there's one right there. This one? Not Yeah, this is a green one. I like this one. It has dots, but the dots, I mean, so what we see here are two structures. We see network and dots. And the dots are kind of scattered throughout the whole thing. They're at the perimeter, but they're also in the center. So it's not really a starburst pattern. And the network's pretty good. So uh, this one we'll leave behind. How about this? Orange. Uh, okay, well let me tell you a little bit about this thing. This probably would have been orange to me to start with, but now it's a green, and why? This is a network, it only has network, and it's the, uh, it is the, the pattern is uh, the um, multifocal hypo and hyperpigmentation that I told you about. These are very, this is a very common presentation of nevi in older individuals, and and again, It takes some, uh, it'll take seeing a few of these and seeing a few of these before you're completely comfortable with that. But especially if this individual is making a lot of these, it's more or less their signature nevus, you'll feel real comfortable leaving it behind. This is an acceptable pattern of nevus in in dermoscopy. But as you can imagine, it looks really creepy uh, with the naked eye. This? Green. Yep. Any oranges on this one? Okay, good. Kind of a globular pattern sort of globular, homogeneous throughout. Mm-hmm. Green. Green. Maybe uh, not not a bad network. Maybe a few dot, asymmetric dots. Uh, this might be, you know, yeah, again, uh, looking around the patient, this might be an orange for me. But it was a uh, levis with Architectural Disorder. Green. Green. OK, any oranges on this one? All right. That's, uh, you know, orange is. Uh, is all orange is always right on this exam as I said. Uh, fairly innocent looking thing. How about this? Red, Red. and what is it? Melanoma. So it's going to be a melanoma. It has multiple shades of pink, has a typical pigment network, asymmetry structure, has chrysalises. Now, we did not talk about veil. And blue-white veil is something that that is people talk about a lot in dermoscopy, and um, there's some people like Bob Jor, for example, whose textbook somebody was just holding. I saw somebody with uh, Bob Jor's textbook. Um, the uh, Bob Jor doesn't like to teach veil because he doesn't pe- think people get veil. I think veil is pretty easy. Uh, uh, you just you, um, well imagine imagine a bride, and um, the bride. You all know what the bride looks like because you've all met her because that's why you were invited to the wedding. And so you know what she looks like and she comes walking down the aisle and she's got a veil on if it's a you know, traditional wedding. And, but she, and the veil obscures the face. You just can't really, you know, you know she's under there. You can kind of see, you see her eyes and mouth, but you, know, it'd be, you, you couldn't uh, pick her out in a criminal lineup by any stretch of the imagination with that veil on. And then when the I do's are done, she whips the veil back and the entire audience gasps to see the bride. Well, that's a veil. So what do we have right here? We've got a veil, and it's slightly obscuring what we see underneath it, just like a bridal veil. That's a blue-white veil. And it's, it's a major component of the seven point criteria, uh, which we didn't go over today, uh, seven point algorithm, I should say, which we didn't go over today. But in, in three point, it's just considered a blue-white structure. So this has a blue-white, this has a whitey structure, so it can be blue or white structure, a symmetry structure, a typical pigment network, Uh, Multiple shades of pink. That's a melanoma. Okay, how about this? Well, if you critically analyze it, it's actually not too bad. But this just creeped me out. I couldn't handle this. This was actually my case. And uh, before dermoscopy, people used to talk about eccentric black dots as being a warning sign uh, with the naked eye. So here's the dermoscopic equivalent of that uh, uh, black dot. Really bugged me. Uh, I just could not get a handle on it, so I took it off. Now, the thing is, though, the the pathologist has to look at this, right? Because this really looks pretty good. So is this a melanoma arising at the edge of a nevus? How would you, anybody have any ideas about how you would tell the pathologist to look right there? How is the pathologist going to find that spot? Huh? Well, what would you use for a marker? You could suture, but the suture is going to wreck it. Because you put a suture through it, it's going to alter the architecture. Well, here's a, here's a clinical pearl for you. So, what you do is you take a one or two millimeter, depending on the size of this biopsy punch, and you score it from the top. So, you go about as far as the bevel. And, the, and that will, the uh, topologist will be able to see that, but uh, won't alter the architecture. So, if you have a particular area, that uh, on a, on a site or anything that you want the pathologist to look, look at, but you don't want to screw up the pathology by, you know, by smooshing it, that's a real, really nice way to market for the pathologist. And of course, in the path slip, then you got to tell the pathologist what you did. Maybe even give him a telephone call, which I did on that one, by the way. I spoke to the, oh, oh, that was a, it, guess what? Perfectly normal. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, OK, so this is a fellow that I, I'd had. This is also a case of mine. Oh, by the way, what is this, orange, red, or green? OK. I, I have to uh, stop digressing so much, but I'm going to digress a little bit on this. Yeah, this was a red for me, too. And I said, and, and the, this guy had like uh, three or four melanomas and had a bazillion biopsies. And I said to him, I think this needs to come off. All you dermatologists want to do is biopsy. Biopsy, biopsy, you know, is you putting your kids through college, or why, I mean, why do you always insist on biopsy? No, I really think this needs to come off. So we, he, but he didn't want any more biopsies, so I uh, said, okay, well, why don't you let me take this dermoscopic picture of it, we well, would come back in four months. There's a lesion in four months, okay? And I rotated slightly because I didn't want you to recognize it, but look at this area right, whoops, look at that area right here, and now when we rotate it, okay, see how much bigger it is, it's kept moving out, whoops. Okay, so this lesion is changing. This is a lesion in evolution, It's a melanoma in situ. Um, by the way, a little, another little dermoscopy trick is if you've got a camera and a handheld dermoscope, you can take perfectly good dermoscopic pictures through that by just holding your camera up to the dermoscope and shooting right through the dermoscope lens. Your camera will autofocus it. Ron Hansen has a huge library of pediatric dermoscopy images doing just that. It's amazing. And by the way, you can do it through a microscope too. So if you have like a KOH prep or a scabies prep or something like that, your autofocus camera will shoot through an eyepiece and focus. How about this this is or- orange orange, yeah, this was an orange one for me too, but it was a Nevis with architectural disorder. How about this? Orange. yeah it's it's spitzoid isn't it, but it's perfectly symmetric around the outside and and so i I showed these we we have our uh our dermoscopy meeting that that uh that we we have. You know, Gi- Giuseppe Argenziano and Bob Jor and uh, Al Kopf and others come, and I show lesions like this, and they change their minds every year. And I'm not fully made up, but I think the trend would be more and more with perfectly symmetrical dots around the periphery to leave this, but it remains a starburst pattern. So in a kid, you'd probably leave it, but in an adult, you know, I, I still take most of these off. So this would have been an this would have been an orange for me. Yep, and it was a it was a benign nevus. Okay, this. Red melanoma. That? Red melanoma. I'm not going to spend a little time on it because I've already taken up so much of your time. Uh, How about this one? And what is it? It's a basal cell carcinoma, although this was my case and I had a little trouble being sure of that, but here's here's a spoke wheel right here. Remember I told you about spoke wheels? Spoke wheel right there. Basal cell carcinoma. This one? Right, this is a melanoma. What is it? Basal cell could be an amelanotic melanoma. They can look like this, but it was a basal cell. Notice this though. See that? What's that right there? That white spot? Mi- mi- it looks like a milia-like cyst. You have to be a little bit careful with milia-like cysts and cobblestone-like openings. You can sometimes see them. You have to look carefully at the whole thing. Don't immediately write it off. But the fact is, with sebaceous keratosis, I mean, usually it goes bam, bam, bam. Sebaceous keratosis are usually pretty easy. This. Green, let's talk about it. Okay, uh, So I think, you, I think a few of you killed this person because this was actually a, a melanoma. And, uh, but let's look at it a bit. You know, let's look at it. So uh, look at the, it's not an easy lesion. And also keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind you're at a little bit of a disadvantage because many of you are toward the back of the room and it's a small screen and, um, and the light's not turned all the way down. But anyway, uh, it's, it, it, if you look really carefully at the network at the perimeter, those of you at the front of the room can please, please verify this by not booing. Uh, uh, there is uh, a typical network right around the perimeter of this thing. And there's a blue-white structure right there. Um, I think what you're seeing is actually just uh, reflection off a veil. Yeah, that's a veil that really covers this entire thing. And now that I've told you that, it's easier to see, isn't it? Now that I've told you that, it's easier to see. So there's blue structure right here, there's atypical network around the perimeter. But, you know, I'm not going to show you the easiest lesion that the second to the last. Okay, what's this? Okay, what is it? It's scabies. I told you we don't use dermoscopy <laughs> just for, didn't I tell you that? Okay, so anyway, this is called the um, this is called the contrail sign. So what we see here is a, oh, oh, that's a magnification. That's even better. So we see a little delta wing aircraft right here and a contrail behind it. And this is a great way to diagnose scabies. I mean, you can really see the mites with your dermatoscope. Plus, there's something cool about the, um, the, the way the polarizing system works to find this. So the contrail is right here, and the little delta wing is right there. That's really the head of the scabies mite. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Um, I, I have to do my shameless plug. Actually, uh, you can't see where it says shameless plug up there, but I want to invite you, if any of you are interested in learning more, to come to our annual Dermoscopy course. We have a few more openings this year, but we own it every year, and we'd love to have you. It's two days. It's basically 16 hours of dermoscopy training, and then a full day of melanoma. And you've been a terrific audience. Thank you. Uh, oh, it's, uh, it's downtown Scottsdale. Yeah. And if you, I'll stick around for a little bit if anyone has any questions.